Well, um, had a great Christmas, enjoyable time. I, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I like the warm weather, but I'm ready for a little bit of snow. I mean, snow's a good thing. I, I actually did not buy my snowboarding pass this year yet because, you know, I'm waiting. Is it even going to snow enough to, to go up there and really enjoy it? So, um, well, look, we're going to start a new series, and I wanted to kick it off today. Obviously, the 31st of, of uh, December leading into tonight, we'll all ring in the new year. It'll be an exciting time. No matter what your opinion about New Year's resolutions is, and, and people have different mindsets where that's concerned. Some people believe that it's a great thing to have New Year's resolutions. Other people are like, well, I don't want to make my focus New Year's resolutions. I submit to you that whatever you do in life, you need to have uh, the mindset of having new resolutions, though. If you will, to recognize that God has given us the opportunity to push the reset button on life and not once in a while, but as often as we'd like to. Can you say amen to that? He has given us grace, and by his grace, we're able to, to literally reset our life by looking to God, uh, embracing him, and allowing his word to be our guide, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. When we're in those times of prayer, allowing his Holy Spirit to be the one that's prompting us with what we're to do with our life, to fulfill his will and to glorify his name by our actions, can you say amen? So uh, with the idea of resetting life, I wanted to share with you a, a scripture from Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, it's verse 22 through 23, it will be the scripture we use for this series. And it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends, his mercies never cease, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh every morning, every single morning. Here's the thing. Uh, all of us, you know, we finish our day, we end up going to bed, we wake up in the morning. When we wake up in the morning, we have an opportunity to, to do something first. I would submit to you the first thing we should do every single morning is acknowledge God and his love in our life through his son, Jesus Christ, and invite the Holy Spirit to be the one who leads us through our day. Amen? Now, uh, to give you the definition for reset uh, for this series, reset, to get the system working for its intended pur purpose, to get the system working for its intended purpose. If you will, the human operating system is often referred to in Scripture as the heart of man. Proverbs 4.23, we are told to guard our heart because it drives the direction of our life. That it drives the direction of our life. So our heart is very important. How we take care of our heart is very important with regard to where we go in life. And how many of you know that oftentimes we get our heart in a mess and we end up in a messy place? Life's not going so well. And what we need to be able to do is hit the reset button on life and get the system working the way that God intended it to work. Now, um, you know, if you think about the idea of reset, uh, right now, um, from the sound system to the lights to the heat, uh, if, if the electric system got overwhelmed in here, what would happen? Anybody? A breaker, right? The, the breaker would blow. What would you have to go do? You would have to go reset the breaker. Isn't that correct? Um, how many of you have a smartphone on you? Hold up your smartphone. How many of you have ever hit the reset button on your technology? Right? 
All of us have moments where, you know, we're working and, this, and something's not functioning right with the system. You know, we find out, well, it's got bugs in it and here's a new download. So you download it and what you're doing is you're resetting the system so that it'll function properly. Isn't that right? Um, everything, when, we, when you think about even if you break a bone, how many ever had a, a, a bone that had to be reset? How many agree that was a painful process? But it had to be reset because if it wasn't reset, it wouldn't heal properly and ultimately would not function the way it's supposed to function. So the, the idea of, of things being reset in life is all around us. It's consistently around us. And it's all through Scripture. If you look at it, uh, again, in, in the Garden of Eden, uh, God had created everything and it was good. And Adam messed that functioning up. He, he made a decision to do something that got things off and Jesus came into this world, the second Adam came into this world to reset God's plan and his design for mankind, amen? So the first thing I want to uh, give you this morning, first point, is the heart drives direction. It's the heart that drives direction. Our heart is our belief system. It's our belief system. And oftentimes we, we have philosophies or ideas or things that come our way we embrace them and they don't work out and we've got to go back and reset that or we are not going the direction that God intended us to go what we believe about God about the Bible about ourselves is ultimately what determines the course the direction we take in our life and sometimes it does need to be reset you think about your computers, it gets spam and malware and, and viruses and those kind of things. When they, they happen, all of a sudden, anybody ever go to a site, you just want to buy one thing and all of a sudden a bunch of pop-ups just start coming up? How many of you enjoy that? Raise your hand if you enjoy that. But that's the way life is, that oftentimes what happens is, is this world has a way of infecting us with its ideas and, and what we need is a download of God's word and his spirit, so that what it does is it gets our spiritual system, it resets our life, and gets us on track with him, so it's functioning the way that he designed us to function. We are going the direction of life and not death. And that's what the scripture says, that God sets before us life and death, and then gives us the answer to that test and says, so choose life. But oftentimes we'll choose to do things that what they do is they mess up the way God intended life to function. <clears throat> the greatest privilege that we receive as believers is the ability to experience not just any kind of life, but the Zoe life of God. Jesus said when, when we believe on him, we possess eternal life, eternal life not one day, but we possess eternal life right now. That's Zoe life. It's God's life being downloaded into us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive. And when we're born again, the Bible says that we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That what was dead is now alive. It can function the way God designed it to function. And when the Holy Spirit comes, and if you think about it, he came down. He was poured out. And I hate to use the technical term, but the Spirit of God is downloaded in us, lives on the inside of us. Jesus prays to the Father and says... I won't leave you orphans. When he ascended into heaven, he said, I won't leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. But I will pray to the Father, and he will send the promised Holy Spirit. Not promised just in the New Testament we read, but promised 
all the way from the beginning, promised way back here, prophesied by prophets. The prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. What is that? That's God downloading his proper life-functioning ideas in us by the spirit. Now remember this, the Samaritan people who were not brought up in the word of God, did not know the word of God like the Jewish people. John, if you remember, uh, 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 Peter and John, when they go to Samaria, they recognize that the Samaritan people who had been born again, filled with the spirit of God, were actually doing the things that the scriptures spoke and they had not even been taught what the scriptures said. They naturally did what was right, not because they knew Not because they knew the rules, but because they had received Christ and they received his message and they received the Holy Spirit. And so they weren't weren't being led by by some outward um, demand, but they were being led by an inward leading. And that was the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. If you will, their life operating system, their human operating system was on track with what God was doing. As a believer, Zoe is not something we have the potential to possess, but we have it now. Listen to this in John 5.24. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the person who hears my word, the one who heeds my message and believes and trusts in him who sent me, has, possesses now, eternal life. That is, eternal life actually begins The believer is transformed and does not come into judgment and condemnation, but has passed over from death into life. Has passed over from death into Zoe, eternal life now, living that the way God intended it to be, functioning the way God intended us to function. Zoe is translated in John as eternal, but it means much more than length of life. Would you bring me more water? It means much more than length of life. See, oftentimes we hear the word eternal and we're just thinking we have length of life. No, it's not just length of life. It's quality of life. Can you say amen? God wants you to have a quality of life. Yes, length, but quality in the length of your life. Write this down on your paper. Am I living the quality of life that God intends me to. I submit to you for 2018, at least, and beyond. If you, if you could, every single day, if you could wake up with the idea of resetting life, it's like, well, my life's going pretty good. I love God, and I read the scriptures. That's great. Always remember this. There's more of God than you've ever experienced. And you can grow uh, on into eternity. In other words, you're never going to arrive in this life. And so when we wake up in the morning, our mindset should not be, hey, I'm there, but it should always be, hey, God, what is it in my life right now? How do you want to work in my life? What is it that that needs to be reset? How do I need to think more like you? How can I grow in you? Not from a dutiful standpoint, but from a relational standpoint that you want to interact with him in a meaningful way. So are you living the quality of life that God intended for you. I, I would submit to you that if you woke up every morning with that, that mindset of, God, am I living that quality of life? It'll cause you through your day to recognize those things that are honoring of God and good for you uh, 
And then, of course, the opposite. And give you the ability to choose by his power to follow his ways so that you can have the life God intended. So um, Paul says in Ephesians that we must stop living like the Gentiles with their standards of, uh, in, in, in their quality. It is possible to be a believer yet not experience life like God intends. Remove ourselves from Zoe life when we allow viruses, when we allow those different thoughts to come in and distract us from God's ways. And it's so, so important to make sure that we are thinking the way that God thinks. So, let me give you seven attributes of a reset life. Seven attributes of a reset life. Now, what this is going to be is, is a little bit of the what and, and the why. And over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look then at how we do those things. But here's the attributes of the reset life. Number one, faith. Faith is one of the attributes of a reset life. Faith is more than mere belief. Faith results in actions that reveal what you believe. It's more than just, oh, I believe. It's more than mental assent. It, it translates into actually doing what it is you say you believe. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's the action part. We believe that he is, but we're diligently seeking him because we believe that he is. It's not like, God. I believe in God. So many people uh, you know, in our country will say, well, I believe in God, but have no actions towards spending time in his word, no actions to, to do the things that Jesus said that we are to do. And if we have true faith in God, it will always lead to acting like Jesus. Can you say amen? And the second thing, second attribute there, holiness. Holiness. Holiness sensitizes us to the same things to which God is sensitive. Holiness always will sensitize us to the same things that God is sensitive to. If it's something that would offend God, all of a sudden you find yourself offended by it. Now in that offense, let me say this. Um, I, I don't have any problem hanging around with people who don't believe in God. No problem whatsoever hanging around them. Matter of fact, I can be around folks and, and, and just this week I was with somebody and he F-bombed somebody else out and he looked at me and goes, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. And I'm like, why are you sorry? You got to apologize to him. He's the one you said it. You're, you, know, you said it to him, not to me. And he's like, oh, I didn't want to offend you. And it's like, you got to understand, like, if you recognize that you're not offending me, you're really, you offend yourself. And that's why the apology is offered is because the person knows, it's like, ah, that's not, we all want to do right, but what we have to realize is no matter how hard we work at that, without that born-again experience, without the Spirit of God living on the inside, without hitting the true reset button of being regenerated by the power of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have the ability to get it done. But God working in us will always bring us to the place that looks like him. Holiness sensitizes us to the same things which God is sensitive to. Psalms 24, 3-4 says this, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. The third thing, priorities. Priorities. Our priorities always expose our values. 
We reset to God's priorities. When we hit that reset button, we wake up in the morning, there's a lot of things we may want to do. But is God involved in the things that we are doing? We need to know how to hit that reset button and say, God, and, and look, I understand that if you're swinging a hammer and you're driving a nail, it's like, okay, how can God be in me driving this nail? All right. Is, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about then as you're doing those things, how can you be an example of the life of Christ to those that you're working around? Or how can you be an example to, to, uh, of Christ to those you're working for? Look for those opportunities in the midst of everything that you're doing. You know, all the physical things that we do, and I think, you know, I often use, you know, buildings, homes, cars, decorations, you know, these instruments, all those things will one day, that's not what's going to remain. These are temporary things. But the life we live and the way that we live it, that is eternal. That's the Zoe life. Is it, is it in, in us and is it in our relationship? Is it in every part of what we're doing that as we are going about life, doing all these temporary things, is God in the midst of that? That is where our priority should be. Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be new and different, a new and different person with a fresh newness in all that you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. That's God in everything that we're doing. The eternal in all the temporary. Fourth, love. Love. Godly love causes us to focus on what's best for those around us. Not about us, but about those around us. 1 John 4.16 We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now look, all you got to do is take a little bit of time and read the life of Jesus. Read the teachings of Jesus. You want to make it easy? Go buy a red-letter edition Bible, and everything that's in red is what Jesus said, you know, and taught. And if you were to do that and just, if you took 2018... And, and, you know, I, I would suggest, you know, that you have a daily reading plan. But if in 2018 you said to yourself, you know what, I want to hit the reset button. I want you to know this. The best way to hit the reset button is to find out what Jesus is saying about life. And even if that's all you did, and not that all the other scripture isn't important, but if that's all you did was to just drill down and spend time getting to, to know and understand what it was that Jesus was teaching and doing and follow his example I want you to know you'll experience life in ways and the love of God. And it won't, it won't be this, because here's the thing. Oftentimes when I talk about, look, be a witness, go out there and share Christ with people, I'm not telling you to go out and take a Bible and start slapping them around or condemning them for the, the misbehaviors that they have in life. What I'm saying is, is, look, love Jesus. Be in love with Jesus. Understand how much Jesus loves you. And it's a natural byproduct. It, it just naturally flows out of your life when you're around them. I think about, um, you know, and, and I, I didn't ask him, but, but testimony is how we uh, overcome the enemy. And that testimony married to the fact that it was Jesus' blood that paid the price for sin. And, and I think about, you know, a couple that Angie and I interact with, and, 
And in their minds, like Christians can be condemning, they can be, because sometimes we're just touting truth and we're saying, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. But when we live what the Bible says and allow that to speak louder than, than any words we would ever speak, that we let our lifestyle, it matches up with that, and they enjoy the, the fact that you're loving and not condemning, and they enjoy you. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, I, I just really like who you are, and I, I like being around you, and, and then they find out where that comes from is that you keep your heart, your heart's reset, you know, your belief system, the, the things you believe, it's not just a system, it's a lifestyle, and it functions and it works to where they're attracted to it. And all of a sudden what happens is it opens up the opportunity for you to introduce them to the person that makes that all possible for you. Jesus. He's the one. So if you spent 2018, and I hope you're, you're getting this, if you spent 2018 just reading what Jesus said, what he taught, and what he did, if you just did that, I promise you the life that will flow out, the Zoe life that's in, in you will naturally pour out upon them and they're going to be interested to know that. They're going to be interested to be a part of that. And then it's so much easier to give them an invitation into, into that. Number five, calling. Fifth attribute, calling. Embrace your calling in all its uniqueness to serve others and glorify God. Oftentimes when you read the Bible and you're seeing these kind of concepts, we, we can have a feeling of like, well, what about me? The reality is, is when you make it about others, when you make it about glorifying God and you make it about serving and helping others, God naturally takes care of you. And here's the thing. If you, if you look around through this room, however many people that are in here today, if everybody has the mindset of serving others, how much service would there be going on? How much help would be going on from one person to the next? And that, of course, spilling over into our community, what would that look like? We have to look for those opportunities to serve others. We have to look for those opportunities where, where God might be speaking to us and share with that other person, like, you know, look, there's people who, who literally are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. They feel like all of life is crashing down around them. And you might be the very person to, to recognize that things aren't going well for them. And oftentimes it's like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, God does. And if you, can, if you can just lift up a simple prayer for them, you might be surprised at how God begins to do something or might speak to you to go and be an encouragement to them. You know, that's what the Bible says. You know, when we think about the spiritual gifts, we think about um, Paul the Apostle himself. You know, Paul the Apostle said this, that I, I you know, I'd rather speak one word in understanding than 10,000 in tongues. What was he talking about? Tongues is a, is a spiritual gift, and it can really build you up and edify you. But understand the purpose of being edified and build up yourself is so that you can be a blessing to edify and build somebody else up. Can you say amen? Your calling. Don't, don't run from your calling. You know, Jonah is a perfect example of somebody who ran from his calling, um, and he had to hit the reset button. Come on. When we look at some of the examples over the next four weeks, we're going to actually take stories of specific people in the Bible and look at their life and how they had to hit the reset button. So that would be a lot more exciting. But I wanted to give you a good foundation this morning so you knew that, you know, the what and the why, and then we get to see how a lot of that worked in some of the Bible characters' lives. Well, how's that working in our life? Well, Jonah, we know he ended up in the belly of a great fish, and uh, it was a pretty sloppy place to be. 
Um, but all we know is he was in there, and it was bad enough that he decided, you know what, I think I'll hit the reset button on this. What did you want me to do, God? And he ended up going and doing exactly what God called him to do, right? And you know that was to go and give a word that God had given him. It wasn't for Jonah. It was for somebody else. And not only was it for somebody else, the word that Jonah was to go and give was actually for a people that had persecuted and killed his people. And God tells him, hey, I want you to go to those folks that mistreated your people, and I want you to give them a word from me. And Jonah's like, man, I am not doing that. Do you know why Jonah didn't want to do that? Anyone? Why didn't he want to fulfill his calling? They mistreated me. Those people, right? It's, it's the people, when we look at it, it's like, those people, yeah, I don't want to go and minister to them. And oftentimes, that's really who God's calling us to go to. It's to go to the ones that no one else wants. It's to care about the ones that no one else will care about. It's to reach out to people that may not even want to hear what God has for them, but to look for opportunities for ways that we can. Jonah was in that predicament, and he ran from God's call. And when he ran from God's call, he ended up in that belly, and he pushes the reset button, and he goes to Nineveh. He gives the word. The reason he didn't want to go is he said this, I know when I give them that word what's going to happen. They will actually repent, and then you'll forgive them, and you'll bless them. That's, that's in a nutshell. And Jonah didn't want to go because he knew God was good, and that he would do good by Nineveh if Nineveh would simply return to the Lord. And sure enough, guess what they did? They returned to the Lord. What do you think Jonah did? Jonah went and sat under, I can't remember the type of tree, but he went and sat under a tree and he sulked. He said, I knew this is what you'd do. You always want to be good to people. <laughs> and he's sulking with God. And God basically starts delivering to him. Uh, this is all for his purpose. Mankind was created in his image and operates best when we're like him, when we function by the design that he gave us. So sometimes we just simply need to press the reset button and fulfill our calling. Amen? Romans 1.1, Paul says it this way. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. There's the serve part. The bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Separate, he's, he's separated to the gospel of God. This is all about God. It's all about what his son did. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, to go to the world that none should perish and all come to everlasting life. That all would get... Zoe life if they would simply believe on God's son, Jesus Christ. Six, scripture. Scripture, our connection with God flowing out of God's instruction. Connection with God flowing out of God's instruction. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intense of the heart. That's why that when we can be in Scripture in those moments that, that God's intellectual download for us, what God is thinking, that when we're reading Scripture, it's like that mirror reflecting back. And, and sometimes when you read, you're going like, whoa, that's too close to home. That, that's like exactly where it's at for me right now. Uh, how did the Bible just do that? It, it's God's Word. It's living. It's alive. It's not like any other book. And you can be reading it, and all of a sudden, it speaks to your heart. You sense it speaking to you. And in that, there can be transformation. Uh, I would say this, that, that oftentimes when I'm preaching, 
and I'm preaching about issues of life and so on. People come up as man, it was like you were standing in the bedroom with my wife and I when we were talking about this or that. Or, you know, my wife and I was driving down the road and we were talking about that very thing. And they come up and say those things. And obviously I'm like, one, I wasn't in your bedroom. I, I wasn't in your car. But God was. Sometimes we mistake how close God is to our life. But make no mistake about it. God is close to you. He's always with you. He's always watching. He's not watching like, okay, what are they going to do wrong and how can I, you know, how can I slap them? How can I discipline them? That that concept that people can have of God that he's a supernatural killjoy in heaven just waiting for you to get out of line to smack you back. That's not who he is. You know what he's like? He's like a caring parent that's watching over his child or her child for their safety. That's what God's doing. God sent his son for our safety and our security. Not, not, to, not to discipline us. He will discipline us. But it's not to discipline us. What it was for was to save us. And, and we've got to keep that in right order. We need discipline to exercise and follow the things of God. To make sure we're hitting that reset button and going the way God wants us to go. But it wasn't for discipline that God sent his son. It was for love that God sent his son. Can you say amen? Number seven, prayer. Prayer, our connection to God, flowing in God's stream of consciousness. Our connection to God, flowing in God's stream of consciousness. How many of you have ever heard the term stream of consciousness? Okay, a few of you. Stream of consciousness, what is that? It, that, that is actually that God has thoughts, and God is communicating, God is speaking. And when we, when we set ourselves aside in prayer, and we take moments of prayer, we actually literally sat down. Now, now think about this. This is where most of the world, it's like all of a sudden you just start to talk to this invisible entity, this invisible being. It's like, you, dear Heavenly Father. It, it just doesn't quite compute for the natural mind. Like, who are you talking to? You ever pray and somebody that doesn't believe in God and you're around them and they're, okay, you're weird. Did anybody ever think somebody was weird when they did that? I know I did when I first encountered it. Somebody's like, uh, you know, Father, I thank you, and, and, and I love you, and I thank you that you, you do this, and you're doing that, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, uh, who are you talking to? Like, God doesn't talk to you, right? He doesn't actually speak to you. He, he's not actually listening to you. Look what the Scripture says here concerning Jesus. In John eleven forty one through 42, the Message Bible, it says, Then to the others, uh, Jesus said this, Then to the others, Go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen. But on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Now, if you know that story right there, that, that little part of scripture, what that's speaking to is that is speaking to when Lazarus, Jesus' friend who had died, had been buried. And he was in there three days. As a matter of fact, the sister said, don't roll the stone away because his body stinketh. King James Version. He probably stinks by now. Please don't move that stone. And Jesus is, is telling them to move that stone. And he, and, he, and he goes into this stream of consciousness with God. He goes into this. It's not a monologue. He goes into the, a dialogue with God. See, when, when you have that kind of interaction with God, here's what happens. It always leads to this. God, I thank you. 
you hear me pray, you're going to hear me pray. Thank, the word thank you, thankful, grateful, with gratitude are going to flow from anyone that has that kind of prayer life with God. And this is the reason why. is because when you're in God's stream of consciousness, you all of a sudden understand who it is that you are engaging with who you're interacting with, who you are communicating with, and who is talking back to you. And when you're in that place, you can not help but be extremely thankful and grateful for the fact that you can have this kind of interaction with the God who created the whole universe. That when the, the awe that we can encounter, well, he's invisible, there's nobody really there. Oh, no, he's there. And when you recognize him there, what hap- that he is there, what happens is you are entering into his stream of consciousness, not yours. Because ours is limited. I, well, I can't see him, so can I really talk to him? And is he talking to me? That's my stream of consciousness. That's the things I think. Like, I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't, you know, if, it's, if I can't somehow with the senses know that it's there, then it's not there. That is not reality. That's not the truth. And we got to hit the reset button where it comes to how that actually works in our relationship with God. Is that while I may not see him, I may not feel him, I step out in faith to talk with him. And when I do, what happens is, is he shows up. And, begin, and again, it may not be like the heavens roll back and, and God says from heaven, you know, Derek, it's not audible. But I know I get this still small voice going on that I hear that impression in my heart that God is prompting me. This is the way you need to go. Think about it this way. They came and told Jesus that Lazarus had died. Or that he was sick. Excuse me, that he was sick. And, and when they told him he was sick, you know, he could have packed things up where he was and headed over there while he was sick and prayed for him. But Jesus continued to do what he was doing. The Bible says he only did what he saw the Father doing. He was in the stream of God's consciousness. He only did what he saw. Do you see what the Father's doing in your life? I know I want to. I want to see what God is doing in my life. I want to be aware of that and be in his stream of consciousness and not be stuck in mine. Jesus was in that place. And because he was in that place, when they came and told him, when he finally packs it up and heads over to to pray for his friend Lazarus, well, he's dead. And he's met by, by one of the sisters, and she comes out and she says, you know, you know he's dead now. If you'd have come when, when, when we first told you, then maybe there'd have been hope. But, of course, Jesus makes it clear to her, look, if you're in the stream of God's consciousness, the Bible says this, all things are possible to those who believe. Jesus didn't have a problem with belief. Why? It wasn't based on his humanity. Look, he was all man. He was all God. But being all man, he did the things that we need to do so that we can be like him. And if we'll take and discipline ourselves to be in that place, in prayer, where we seek God that way, knowing that when we talk to him, he is listening. That's what Jesus is saying. I thank you that you always listen. He's always listening to you. Don't be afraid to offer up prayers. One of the greatest attributes of resetting your life is a solid prayer life, lifting those thoughts, those concerns, you know, the desires up to God, and he will meet you and speak to you and guide you in your life. Can you say amen? So, are you ready to reset? So here's the three things that that we need to do if we're going to reset. One, our reflection. Ask the Holy Spirit 
to highlight those areas which you need to reset in your life. Think about that. As she comes to play, uh, Darcy comes and plays. I want you to, look, don't be hasty. Take a moment. Pin down. What's an area that, that you believe needs to be reset in your life? What, what's the Holy Spirit revealing to you? We're going to remain seated this morning as I, as I pray for you. But I want you to reflect on that as she plays. And leave here today with something that God has prompted you. You know, this is something that needs to be reset in my life. And then wake up every morning with the mindset of resetting those areas, offering that up to God and letting him perform uh, by his power a reset for those areas. Reflect on it. And then as we reflect on it, what we need is a revelation. We need a revelation. We need to be able to relax and allow the spirit to deal honestly uh, with us with regard to what we need to re- reset. Sometimes it's, it's things that we can feel um, embarrassed about. You know, like, man, you know, I know that I should live better than this or I should do this or do that. And then we feel embarrassed with God, like, well, God can't approve of me. He approves of you because of his son. And so accepting that is we need to be able to have a revelation of who Jesus is and that you can relax and receive his grace so that those areas can be reset in your life. And then finally, obviously, the reset. Make a conscious effort to do things according to God's design. Make a conscious effort. It means I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to think about my life from the standpoint of how Jesus would want that to be. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Be in the scriptures. Let the scriptures speak to you. Amen. So if you'd bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that it's more than a resolution, God. It's a lifestyle. That, Lord, as we enter 2018, each and every one of us uh, would grow in our faith. Uh, God, we grow closer to you. I pray that the relationship we have with you would become more and more real each and every day we wake up and we call out to you and we invite you, Lord, to start our day off. We put you first. And even as we shared about the first fruits, that, Father, we'd wake up every morning and give you the first fruits of our day, the best of our day. And I pray, Father, that as we do this faithfully, that, Lord, we would all begin to see the changes, the miracles. Lord, that your hand is, is, is working for us, that you are doing things that we could never do on our own. Our mindset begins to change. Our heart begins to change. And as a result of that, Father, our life begins to change. It is reset because of your power. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Listen, if you've written things down, take them home. Don't don't just take them home and throw them on a shelf. Put them somewhere where you're going to wake up in the morning and it's going to be right in front of you. And make it an exercise that you do every day. Now, I want to give you this. So, shared, uh, you know, today a little bit of the the, the what and the why. We're going to look at the how. We're going to look at the how of the heart, how of the mind, how of the voice, and how of the hands. So, our heart, our mind, and our hands. 
are the ways in which God is able to, not only for our life to be reset, but what happens is, is that when we go that direction and we allow those areas of our life to be reset, we're in a place to where the life that is in us, then we're able to help others where it comes to resetting life for them. Amen? Amen. Hey, God bless you and enjoy your week.